Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace, according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in years and in divine and human favor. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one after lighting a lamp puts it under the bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that, men, so that they may see your good works and give you glory to your Father in heaven. The word of God for the world. Consistent. 
Many of them are contradictory and leave us feeling confused and conflicted about who we really are. The process of sorting out these messages in order to discover and claim our real selves becomes a central task of growing up. And if taken seriously, will occupy, perplex, and may even plague an individual throughout the course of enti an entire lifetime. Thought you were done with that after adolescence, didn't you? In various ways, the passages for today address the identities of individuals and communities who claim to follow Jesus the Christ. From the prophet Isaiah comes a call to God's people in exile to wake up and pay attention. Arise, shine, your light has come. You will be given a new name and another chance. On the lips of wise Simeon, who is known for his constant awareness of the Spirit of God, comes the profound affirmation that the holy light of God is present in the knowing eyes of the infant Jesus. Salvation is there for all to see. A God-revealing light. And from Jesus himself, who spends his life growing into his identity as God's chosen one, comes a startling pronouncement. A passing of the baton, if you will. You are my beloved followers. You are the light of the world. The metaphor of light a basic element in the creative order, a necessity of life, is a central motif that ties all these scripture statements together. As we were driving back to Greenville on one of our annual Christmas visits to Texas, darkness fell, traffic was heavy, fog set in, and hard, blinding rain blew sideways across the highway. Have you been something like that? Visibility was minimal. Sometimes the only way I could see the road ahead was by following the dim taillights of the cars in front of me. As we neared the end of that very long drive, the lights of the city of Mobile, Alabama, began to cast a glow on the distant horizon. After 13 hours of driving, I was so grateful to see that pale glow rising from the darkness, I cannot tell you. I was reminded of how important even a small pinpoint of light can be. Light has important functions. I made a short list of them that night. Light illumines a traveler's path and stands as a beacon of hope for journeys in. Light is certain to be noticed and allows things to be more clearly observed. <coughs> Light dispels darkness. Light reveals, compels, guides, and soothes. Is it any wonder that light has become a symbol for God's presence and guidance? A synonym for truth, wisdom, and reality? But light has some troublesome properties as well. As I drove that night, the headlights coming toward me sometimes blinded me with their brightness, disorienting my vision, increasing the stress in that already stressful moment. Inside the car, my bookish 
traveling companions were turning on the overhead reading lights, further complicating my ability to see the road. Too much light can pose its own challenges. In Pilgrim at Tinker Creek, writer, writer Annie Dillard observes, if, you, if we are blinded by darkness, we are also blinded by light. She goes on to say, when too much light falls on everything, a sheer terror results. Light surprises, light exposes, light blinds. Many times things hiding in the dark do not wish to be surprised, disturbed, or exposed. Shining light into a darkened place can be risky business. Risky business or not, Jesus, the one recognized by Simeon as God-revealing light, confers on us, his followers, an identity. You're here to bear light, to bring out the God colors in the world. God's way is not a secret to be kept, so get ready. If I make you light bearers, I'm not going to hide you under a bucket. I'm putting you on a light stand for the entire world. Our destiny is to be light bearers. To courageously and compassionately shine light in the darkness. To brighten dreary existence with color. To hold the Christ light for weary fellow travelers. With this identity comes risk. For bearing light can be a daunting task. When light falls, everything around it is illuminated. When too much light falls, a special terror results. To be a light bearer carries the inherent risk that the light born will illumine and expose the darkness residing inside the bearer, even as it dispels the darkness around him or her. Barbara Brown Taylor in her recent book, Learning to Walk in the Dark, says our comfort or discomfort with the outer dark is a good barometer of how we feel about the inner. And she recommends that we become more comfortable with the darkness in which we find ourselves. Because, she says, new life begins in the dark. A seed, a womb, a tomb, it all starts in the dark, she says. We can and we must face and learn from the darkness we encounter within and around us. But aren't we all at one time or another, even if only in small measure, intimidated by, if not afraid of, the dark? When confronted with our own shadows, aren't we tempted to hide or look the other way? finding it easier to stare at the darkness in others than to be forced to see what lurks within our own dark corner. When we claim our identity as light bearers, we also must be willing for behaviors and attitudes, for our behaviors and attitudes, to be seen and scrutinized by others. Are our lives consistent with the life, attitude, and behavior of the one we say we follow? whose light resides in us. Bearing the light makes us vulnerable. 
The weight of light grows heavy sometimes. And we can become susceptible to burnout or begin to feel too exposed, weak, fearful, or overwhelmed to remain faithful to the task. We can lose our way when we lose sight of the source of the light and begin to resemble those ancient Israelites to whom the prophet Isaiah spoke the encouraging call, Get up, arise, shine, your light has come. You'll be called by a new name. You'll be like a crown of beauty in God's hand. These words were spoken to a people in exile who had lost their identity and their homeland. They were defeated, exposed, weak, fearful, vulnerable, and overwhelmed. Into their despair, the prophet spoke a word of destiny, identity, encouragement, and hope. Your light has come. Wake up. It's not your light will come. It's your light has come. Shine. Remember who you are. Begin again. Alexander Papaderos was a Greek educator, peacemaker, and politician from whom energy, personal power, courage, intelligence, and passion radiated. The story is told that at the last session of a two-week seminar on Greek culture that he was leading, Papaderos rose from his chair and asked, are there any questions? The room was quiet. No questions? He asked again. Finally, one man raised his hand, hand timidly. Dr. Papadios, what is the meaning of life? <laughs> Laughter erupted. <clears throat> but Papadios held up his hand and still the room. He looked at the young man. I will try to answer your question. Taking his wallet out of his pocket, Papaderos brought out a small round mirror about the size of a quarter. He explained that when he was a small child during the Second World War, he was very poor. One day, on a road in his remote little village, he had found the broken pieces of a mirror from a German motorcycle. He said, I tried to find all the pieces and put them together, but it wasn't possible. So I kept the largest piece and by scratching it on a stone, made it round. The piece of mirror became his favorite toy. Fascinated by the fact that he could reflect light into dark places where the sun would never shine, he invented a game to get light into the most inaccessible places. He kept the little mirror, and as he grew up, he would take it out from time to time and continue the challenge of the game. When I became a man, said Papaderos, I realized that this was not just a child's game, but a metaphor for the meaning of life. I came to understand that I am not the light or the source of the light, but light, truth, understanding, knowledge, and compassion. Light is there and will only shine in the dark places if I reflect it. I am a fragment of a mirror whose whole design I do not know. Nevertheless, with what I have been given, 
I can reflect light into the dark places of this world and change the things. This is what I'm about. This is the meaning of my own life. And then he took his small mirror and leaning it into the light, caught the bright rays of the sun streaming through the window and reflected them onto the hands of his questioner. Our hope to live out our calling as light bearers comes from Jesus the Christ, who has conferred this identity and calls us to take it as our own. Jesus is the God-revealing light. Our identity as followers is derivative, not original. We participate in his sustaining, saving, healing work by choice, by the way we live, by accepting his way as our own. We must take to heart these words of Evelyn Underhill. The birth of Christ in our souls is for a purpose beyond ourselves. It is because his manifestation in the world must be through us. Every Christian is, as it were, part of the dust-laden air which shall radiate the glowing epiphany of God, catch and reflect God's golden light. As we enter a new year, we gather around this table to celebrate the one whose name we bear, in whose light we live, and in whose life we find our own. We are called to be fragments of a broken mirror whose whole shape and design we do not know, to lean into the light and beam its glow into the dark and disheveled places of this world, even into the darkness and shadow of our own souls, so that the light of God's compassionate grace lavish forgiveness and healing salvation can do its transforming work. But what does leaning into the light look like in real time? How do we embody this call? We live as Jesus lived. We immerse ourselves in his way of being in the world. We seek to follow and to share the light not to possess it for ourselves. To do this, we have to pay attention to the story told in the Gospels. When we truly attempt to discover how Jesus lived and what he taught, we cannot continue to imprison those we do not respect or understand in their place. To force our perceptions of God on others, to lord over them, to condemn, to judge, to hate. We exchange judgment for understanding and compassion. We look for the logs in our own eyes before we point to the speck in another. We give and forgive, lavishly. We seek to love our enemies and to do good to those who aim to harm us. We wash feet. We open ourselves to learning what it means to love ourselves as God loves us and to love others as we love ourselves. We get to know the one we say we follow. So here's a New Year's challenge for you. 
Get yourself a good translation of scripture, one that speaks to you. Get yourself something to write in and something to write with. Find yourself a quiet place to sit. And for some time each day or each week in the year ahead, go to that place with these tools and begin to read carefully through all four Gospels. Start with Mark, then Matthew and Luke, then John. Pay attention to every action and teaching of Jesus. Make notes of what surprises you, what confuses you, what stirs you, what convicts you. <clears throat> Sit in quiet for a bit. And then write a short prayer or response to what you've read. In this way, you will open yourself to who Jesus is and to who God might be calling you to be through Jesus' life, teaching, and ministry. Be aware of what you might be called to let go of, to surrender, or to repent of, in order to embrace more closely your identity as a follower and bearer of the light. Look for and face the darkness within as it is revealed to you as you read and study. Lean into the God-bearing light and learn from him how to bear that light into the dark and inaccessible places of the world where the light might not otherwise shine. This week, at Free For All, we had kind of a real Free For All discussion. Um, if you're not coming to Free For All, you're missing it. We sat for a long time with these passages of Scripture, and we talked a lot about what they meant for us and the questions that they raised for us. It was a great discussion. It's easy to keep this kind of thing just individual. But we talked about what it might mean for Providence as a congregation to lean into the light. So this morning, as we spend a few moments in silence before we take communion, I invite you to think about this question. You can respond if you want, but you don't have to. If we as a congregation, not just individuals, took seriously Jesus' call to be light in the world, what would that look like? How might this congregation be different in 2015 if we took that seriously?